Hello, everybody. I want to welcome you to this episode of the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast, where our goal each week is to bring the Lordship of Jesus Christ to life. We want to connect the dots for you between what's happening in our culture and maybe what's happening in your world and your family and your personal life with the amazing blessing and truth of what it means to live under the Lordship and the banner of Jesus uh, and to see his His reign uh, expressed in every area of our lives. And so I'm really excited today. Uh, you're looking at a familiar face, not just mine, but this wonderful man next to me, uh, Pastor Keith Tusi. He is the senior overseer of our network of related pastors, of which Living Stones is one of the uh, member churches. Uh, he is an amazing man of God, great husband, father, leader in the body of Christ, and um, an author. And I want to get to that in just a moment. Just came out with a new book called uh, The God Who Intervenes, Embracing the Present-Day Work of the Holy Spirit in Your Life. Uh, Pastor Keith Tusi, welcome. Glad to be with you again. Good to be with you, Pastor Ron, <laughs> as always. <laughs> You're in town for uh, what we do in our network is uh, some regional leadership gatherings. And so um, Pastor Keith is a deep well on many, many resources. And uh, uh, he's here to impart with, uh, you know, again, our regional pastors and families. So we're glad that you're here in Crown Point, as always. But um, let's begin. Uh, I, I'm jealous. I got to say I'm jealous, man. You you got a book here, and it's done, and it's printed, and and uh, it's got your picture and your name and all kinds of important stuff inside. Most of the words are spelled right and everything. <laughs> that, that's amazing. No, but I, I have heard that uh, writing a book is like giving birth. Uh huh. Was that was that true for you or? Uh... Well, you know, I've had so many false starts. Honestly, I've attempted to do it using other people's formulas. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I kept getting these prophetic words. You got to write a book, and then friends would nudge you, say, "You really got to write a book," you know. And, yes. and somebody'd say, and I'd say, "I know, I got to write a book," you know. So, <laughs> I so, feel your pain. That's so why. So I just sat down one day and just started free flowing. Wow. And boom, it just, did it you, just. Did you feel like there was like a, I guess, a mantle of grace on your life to do that? I mean, like, did it, did it flow or was it, it? No, it did. This time it was totally different yeah. than the mechanical, you know, like yeah, I got to do. Amen. I just sat down and then just started putting things on paper and writing it out. And yeah. it didn't all make necessarily, you know, sense to somebody else who would have read it. But after I got in the flow of it, I was able to go back and clean it up and organize it a little yeah. bit. And I had some help from my daughter and my wife. And uh, yeah. and here boom. it is. Boom. And then it, it just came together. And and when I told the publisher what how I was going to do it, he goes, eh, that usually doesn't work that way. And da, da, da. And then he read what I first sent him. He goes, oh, I think this is going to work. <laughs> wow. So the God who intervenes. Um, Talk to us a little bit about, I mean, I know this is basically a biography, right? I mean, it's your journey. It's, but talk to us about what what what'd you share. What's your heart? Give yeah. us an overview. It, it really is just a, a weaving in and out of 42 years of ministry. Wow. Uh, and how I got started and all, and I can't even say all, because even after writing the book, I mean, I was just reminded of things that aren't even in the book, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, great stories, testimonies, you know, obvious where God showed himself alive. But it's it's just weaving that pattern. And then I just incorporate little teaching moments in there about yeah. learning to listen to God, how to how to apply principles that we know. How do you apply them in that in the context of your life and what's happening right now? So gotten a lot of good feedback. People say it's really encouraged them to really trust God and really believe God. And uh, get out there on the edge a little bit and let the Holy Spirit give them a shove. Uh, 
and, so and they can is this available on like Amazon or all the yeah, places? Yeah, anywhere you go, I think you can you can get it Amazon and the you can get it through through NRP right through our webpage. You can okay. purchase it through the network related pastures. You know, we t we touched on this. Uh, Pastor Keith was on an earlier episode uh, with me that uh, people really really enjoyed. Uh, but for those of you that may not have been aware of, of who he is or his background, um, share a little bit because you you didn't come from the Christian. You know, you're, you you and I are probably diametrically opposed just in our our starts. Yes. You know, I came from a godly Christian home, strong yeah. parents, mom and dad who loved each other, loved the Lord. Yours was not quite that way. I mean, no, mine was. Uh, I always say we were the dysfunctional family before it was cool. You know, we, <laughs> you we were the... <laughs> we were on the cutting edge. Of, you know, we were leading yeah. the culture in dysfunction. Yeah. You know, my mother was married and divorced six times. Yeah. And so, so no stability. No stability. You said you grew just, up on the streets. Yeah, just you know, I basically left home when I was fourteen. Finally, after, you know, just that that I, I I had to get an environment that I can control, even though it was still out of control. You know. Yeah. But. Uh, so when you say a God who intervenes, I mean, you, your life is literally a picture of God yes, reaching down his sovereign absolutely. grace and plucking and, you out of hell. Yeah, and I think part of what this book would help people to do realize is that there's times when God is intervening that we don't take it to the next level. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I think God does things and we acknowledge that. We acknowledge that moment, but don't understand that that is a seed to something else where he wants to go with us. That's good. And we, we enjoy the moment, so to speak, but we don't build a foundation on that moment. Right. And uh, even as I wrote the book, honestly, it, it was just me made aware to me, even things that I hadn't connected in my heart mm -hmm. or my head, I should say, where God intervened here, but because I held on to that and knew who he was, that it manifested over here. Wow. So it's almost like God's got the 40,000-foot view. Yes. Sometimes we're not connecting all those little isolated experiences, yes. but but one really does build upon the other. It really does. It, re and, it really does. And I think it for you know one of our strong suits here at Living Stones is obviously— uh, dealing with people and helping people that have come maybe from a, a rough background, brokenness, a lot of pain. Uh, and I think you'll find Pastor Keith's life and his book, his testimony, uh, an inspiration to you because you, you just have hope in your heart, you know, that there's a God who really does see, he cares, he intervenes, and he is building out a beautiful or, or, or weaving a beautiful tapestry in your life that sometimes we don't even understand. And I, I was just back, just to backtrack, you know, um, you know, people know that I have a heart for justice and government and reformation, but a lot of that was stirred up providentially when I first met you. You know, I, I remember we were at a at an NRP event, and I believe we were in Pittsburgh, which is where Pastor Keith was living at the time, or is living at the time, and out in front of an abortion mill there, uh, just proclaiming uh, truth, giving hope to people, praying, worshiping, um, and really seeing you at work and, and your element there. Uh, you know, Pastor Keith has been a national voice for reformation for the unborn. Uh, and really that that reformation spirit, you know, kind of jumped on me. And and I just want you to know what a blessing you have been. So I look at I look at those seeds. That way you were a seed planted in my life, you know, that has helped help grow. And then the, you all need to know this too, you know, whenever, whenever you're sticking your neck out on some of these issues, you know, the, the enemy or the opposition likes, they have a big hammer. They, yes. they like to whack you down. And, um, you were such an encouragement to my wife because she's thinking, what is my husband getting involved in here? And I think you just simply said to her one time, look, you know, 
we've got your husband's back covered. Absolutely. We're, we are a family. We're, we're a, a tribe, and we're covenant. And um, and that you know, so those are some seeds. Again, I looking looking in retrospect now. Wow, I'm grateful that the Lord brought you into my life, and for the blessing that you've been. And, and helping to nurture that part of my yeah. calling as well, well. It's been very mutual. Yeah. <laughs> it's been very mutual. We're in this, we're in the foxhole together. Absolutely. And I guess maybe that's, you know, we are literally in a foxhole together. If you're watching this podcast now in, in America now, have you ever seen in your lifetime anything that we're experiencing, at least at the degree of the, the rapidity of? The of rapidity, de- the acceleration of it is yeah. is really amazing. Uh, that's the kindest word I could put on it. Would be, would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, but it really is an opportunity for us to contrast the culture to really, sh- you know, show who Jesus is and who yeah. His church is. I guess if there was ever a time uh, to be in a foxhole, it, it, number one in in the battle, right now is the time to be engaged. But it's also a time to have some good people in that foxhole Absolutely. with you. Absolutely, yeah. You and, don't fight alone. You don't fight alone, and and so this is a guy that you know. If you're part of our Living Stones Church family, we're we're in the foxhole together, and I can't think of a of a better person to to be there because you know you've been a for lack of a better word a cultural warrior now for probably at least three decades, maybe four decades, maybe maybe right from the beginning. Talk to us about kind of that journey, and I I, I really want to hear your perspective on. Uh, you know, we're, we're dealing with all kinds of, we would agree, government uh, encroachment, overreach, uh, you know, mm-hmm. malfeasance, um, mm-hmm. uh, encroachment into our civil liberties. Probably, I've, I've said, like, never before in my lifetime have I seen our First Amendment rights trampled the way that they are tempted to be, you know, uh, mm-hmm. infringed upon now. So just talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing, especially in, in the marketplace. I know you have a heart for, for business leaders as yeah. well. Well, I we had breakfast today with some of the guys just hung out and had a great time of fellowship and I and I repeated the story of what was a game changer for me was in the early 80s we were going into the Soviet Union which is still a, you know a Soviet country at that point. I ended up actually getting arrested there uh later on and going to jail there, but before this I uh, met a uh, apostolic man who had spent 25 years of his life in jail. His name was Ivan Lubchenco. Uh, three separate jail sentences for preaching the gospel. And he asked me this so question. So he's in jail 20, 25 years for preaching the gospel. For preaching just, the just gospel. To be clear. Yeah. yeah, three separate, got out, preached the gospel, put him back in jail, got out, pre- you know, that was his life. But he made incredible disciples while he was in jail, which is a whole another yeah. am- amazing story. Yeah. But through our our translator, he asked me this question, and it was done in a meek spirit. He said to me, is your church more American or more Christian? Wow. And when he asked me that question, it was like, you know, the sword of the spirit went through me, and I realized that a lot of the conflict I had in serving God was more my American baggage than my kingdom vision. Wow. And I and I consider myself to be a patriot. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm I'm yeah. I'm pro-American. I, I doesn't believe I I believe America is perfect. I'm pro-church. I don't believe the church is perfect. Right. You know. Right. Uh, but uh, that really was a dividing line for me to really get me to understand that our loyalty and our dedication has got to be to God first. Seek ye the kingdom is not just so I can have a happy life. Yeah. All these things have to come into submission to that. Yeah. And so just to get back, you know, I, I want to make that distinction again. Are your, is your church more American or more Christian? I think another template we, that we're dealing with now that maybe would describe it in our times is your church woke 
Mm-hmm. Is your church a woke church or is right. your church a, a biblical church? Right. Um, we're finding a lot of pressure on the church to mm-hmm. cave on some things. Yes. And, you know, you've traveled to the nations extensively, and I, I encourage people to get out of the United States. Yes. And to see the rest of the world, and to be a part of taking the gospel as we're mm-hmm. as we're commanded by Jesus to do. But here's what I always do when I'm overseas: it it forces me in terms of of what I'm preaching to analyze it through the lens of another culture. Yes, and then to go: is this a message that would be really cool in America, right? But is totally irrelevant in India or Pakistan? Yes, exactly. Very good point. Because because if if it won't if it won't preach there, right. it's probably more American. Exactly. And, and that was one of the things when we trained people in those early apostolic teams within the Soviet Union, that we, they had to drop. Most of the preachers had to find out they couldn't use the illustrations they were using. Right. Uh, so it really forced them, and it was just a great purging for us to be extremely biblical because if it's not true there, it's not true here. If it's that's not right. true here, it's not true there. Because right. truth is eternal. Amen. And uh, yeah, that's the, what we've got to I embrace. I tell people, too, you know, the kingdom of God translates into every language and culture. So you might be preaching on marriage in India, mm-hmm. and they might think, well, you, that's how you Americans think. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. If it's in the Bible, yes, this is how you should be yes. functioning in your marriage in India. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where I appreciate the Bible as the, as the plumb line. Yeah. Um, but that that challenged you in a way that that shaped your ministry. I mean, it messed with you that whole that whole notion of are you an American church or are you a Christian church? Right. Uh, what was the lasting impact, and how is that? I guess how has that led you to how you're viewing the situation today in the church in America, and and how we get out, how we solve some of these problems? I guess. Well, I, I think first of all, you know, I like to say that we're playing the audience of one. So it's his church. Mm-hmm. You know, on our best day, we're under shepherds. Yep. We don't have a church. Churches yep. are too expensive. You have, you have to die to get one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's Jesus' Amen. church, Amen. and we are the stewards of that church. And I, I think when we really have that revelation, like for me, it takes a lot of pressure off me. I don't have any pressure to perform to anybody to do anything but please the Lord. Yeah. And he's given me a book called The Bible, to follow, and I might have to wrestle, and you know, we might have to fellowship and have some meetings about like, how does that apply? Right. But whether it's truth or not is not up for debate. Right. It's how do we apply this right, right now, you know, in what's happening. So I think, you know, just going back and saying, what was the original intent when God said that? What was he saying and how did he mean for us to apply it? And going back and recapturing that, I believe God has plan A and there is no plan B. I believe he, wants to raise up a strong, prophetic, righteous church that he's excited about. And I believe he's doing that in the midst of all this chaos. And and I want to be a part of that. I don't want to be left out of that. Amen. And I love what you said, um, because it's true in any realm of life. When we understand that the church is Jesus' church, it really takes the pressure off. Like you said, like I'm not trying to build a church. That's that's pressure. I'm not trying to make the budget. That's pressure. I'm just trying to love Jesus, and I'm trying to love people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let Jesus build his church. Right. The same thing, though. And I'm going to let him define what love is, by the way. Absolutely. And define <laughs> so there's the whole church. subject. Yeah, yeah, let's define what love is. He's the creator. He gets to make the rules. Yes. But you and I talked about this as well, because I know we both have a heart for the marketplace and a, and a heart to to provide some cover and support mm-hmm. for those uh, Christian mm-hmm. marketplace leaders. But but the, the beauty of this is when a when a when an entrepreneur, a business leader, marketplace leader understands, hey, my business isn't my business, it's the Lord's business. 
he's in charge of, of helping make make this prosperous. He's in charge. He sets the rules. He tells us how we re- mm-hmm. relate in the culture and how we act and all that kind of stuff. It, it really does lift the pressure off because now it's not, I have to go out and make money. I have to go out and, and get a larger market share. I have to go out and, you know, wheel and deal. I just need to pray and obey and and follow the word of God and trust the just Lord. Just like and, you and I do in ministry. And, say, it's, it's, right. That's it's, their ministry. It's, it's seamless. Uh, and I've heard men that when they really understand, okay, Jesus, I'm a steward of your business today. Right. Just help me be faithful. It, it is really is a game changer. Yes, absolutely. But you, but you were sharing, you know, we're seeing in the marketplace, and I've preached this from the pulpit, you guys are really the ones that are going to be the, the first wave of attack uh, when it comes to mm-hmm. your religious liberties, under assault, all these mandates the government's trying to tell you you have to do the the essential non-essential you know false dichotomy that the government's trying to put on businesses and and really just the the incredible damage that government policy did to our economy um and you were saying again as we chatted earlier that you have a, a special burden for the marketplace because you really believe that's uh those folks are at the point of the spear, I guess, in the yes. current cultural attack. Yeah, I believe, number one, we have a lot of tremendous Christian business owners, male, female, families, some second and third generation, many new entrepreneurs. Yeah. And uh, they hold a vital place in the market, uh, and they have a great voice there. And uh, it's not coincidental that if you look at a community, and, and let's just, you know, I'll just make up a number. Let's Let's say... 10% of that community is confessing church-going Christians. Well, you're going to find out that the business ownership in that community is almost always at least three times that number. So 30% of those businesses would be owned by legitimate Bible-believing Christians. So there's a lot of leverage there. Yeah. So that means two things. That means there's influence there because, uh, you know, not just economically trading dollars, but touching people's families, employment, all those type of things. But it also means that they are the point of the spear. And uh, I believe that the next great move of God, where we're going to see a lot of harvest with souls and people coming to salvation, is in the marketplace, bringing them into the church. I'm not saying what we're doing is is irrelevant or that, you know, God isn't going to consider to use every other discipleship tool we have. But I believe more and more we're living in a day where we're going to see these men and women really step to the forefront and they're going to push back because one of the, you know, we've got two real, I think, points. Uh, well, number one, we have the COVID, you know, scenario and everything that went with that. Mm-hmm. And the other side of that, too, is that people aren't talking about as much, but it's very serious, is the whole environmental agenda. Wow. It's yeah. really affecting businesses. Right. And what people don't realize, you know, the cost of getting your car repaired, the cost of getting your house uh, repaired has gone up exponentially because of environmental regulations that really don't really protect anybody. Right. There, there, are, there are a lot of bureaucracy, right. and that's not to say there's not one or two or three, you know, legitimate, like, let's be concerned about asbestos or something. Right, right. Okay, there are, so there are some legitimate things there. Uh, but I think what's going to happen, I think what is happening is some of these people are beginning to push back. <clears throat> They're saying, no, wait a minute, you know, God has given me this gift, God has given me this tool, and you're basically taking a bite out of it, and it's affecting how my family operates, it's affecting how my employees operate, it's affecting the people I concern, but more than that, it's affecting my voice. Yeah. Because, you know, when God gives you something, it's for the purpose of giving you a voice. 
And I hit that pretty hard in the book through. That's one of the themes I, I, I kind of run through is like, this is set up so God gives you a voice because silence is not golden. Silence right. is actually death most times. It's really about influence. Yes. And, uh, and again, even a lot of this uh, draconian kind of control and, and, and stuff is, is meant to silence or shut down mm -hmm. uh, certain aspects of the, of the marketplace. Um, I guess that's where, uh, what, what, would, what advice would you give to a local business owner? You know, I'm noticing now the Biden administration is ramping up uh, with, you know, kind of testing the water about the possibility of another shutdown, mm -hmm. a possibility of mask mandates, uh, mm -hmm. vaccination mandates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, if you're a Christian business owner, you know, what would you say to me uh, this time around? I mean, like we saw what happened last time. Mm -hmm. What do we have to learn from that? And what would be maybe a different strategy that you'd encourage this time around? Well, when you're a business owner, it's a lot like being in ministry. And there's lots of things you want to think about that are on your think list. But I would say, sit down and start thinking about those things. Get well read, talk to somebody about, you know, codes, be prepared. Be codes and compliances and whatever they, yeah, really put some thought in it so you're not depending on secondhand information. Number two is I would get financially prepared so that you have, you feel like, hey, I can take a hit and keep on ticking. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, I would be, I'd be part, I'd be networking with other Christian businesses, whatever their, their venue was, you know, whatever their, their place where they were touching, whether it was service or, or sales or, you know, manufacturing, whatever it was. So there would be some kind of a network because I think what's going to happen, I'm sure what's going to happen is there are men and women that are going to take a stand and they're going to take a hit. And, and the best way to rally the troops is when they take a hit is for those other people to rally behind them, uh, not just with their voice, but with their pocketbook and say, we're going to protect that guy. We're going to bless him. We're going to bless that lady for standing up. Right. So when you're talking about taking a hit, if you're an employee and, and you just say, well, you know what, I'm not going to use the pronoun that yes. of your choice or, yes, exactly. or you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Then, then a, a hit might mean they say they hand you a pink slip. So you yeah. might be having to go right. get, get a, find another job somewhere else. Yes. Um, so you're saying that at least in terms of local church, we need to be ready to rally around some people Absolutely. who might be in transition. Yeah. That's not a, that's, that's a kingdom issue. We need, we need to celebrate these people, stand with them, encourage them, help educate them, get them the resources they needed, uh, because that's leadership looking for a place to happen. Yeah. And you know, when we look at all these cultural waves, I mean, w w the greatest demarcation it, to me is the sheer lack of leadership, mm -hmm. of people saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. Uh, we have a lot of you know uh, internet leaders, but not a lot of people that are, that are in the trenches. Yeah. And so I think, you know, God is going to honor us and bless us by caring for some of these men and caring for some of these women that take a stand. And I believe their stand will lead to opening up that marketplace and other people doing the same thing to stand for Christ. Yeah. You know, I was thinking of this last episode of Insanity where we had, you know, a hairdresser who wanted to stay open and mm -hmm. or a guy that was a gym owner, you mm -hmm. know. And the authorities came and padlocked their doors mm -hmm. and started, you know, basically would not allow them to enter mm -hmm. their building uh, and even find, you know, mm -hmm. there were fines levied and those types of things. So I guess I'm trying to flesh this out. So Pastor Ron Johnson, somebody in my church that's a business owner, says, you know what, I'm not going to abide by these uh, shutdowns uh, any longer. I need to provide for my family. I've got mm -hmm. 10 employees. I need to provide for their, mm -hmm. their families. Um 
It might mean all of a sudden Pastor Ron says, hey, uh, we're going to have a press conference right out in front of uh, of Keith's business. Yes. And uh, and I want the whole congregation to show up this Saturday yes. uh, right. because we're going to say this is unacceptable. Yes. Uh, and, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we, we're talking. Yes. There's got to be pushback. Yes, there and, has to be pushback. And that's what's – and listen, write it down. That is going to happen. And woe be it to the community where that happens and the church doesn't rally behind them. And we're going to see that blessing. But but there are men and women that are worthy of standing behind. And, of course, the backdrop for that, Pastor Ron, is not just that they want to supply for the family. They believe, like you and I believe, that God has given us a gift. That business is their gift, and they're a steward to God with it. And uh, it's not the government's to take. It's not right. the government's to manipulate. And they're going to continue doing doing that as under the Lord. And and I believe with all my heart, I believe I'm speaking prophetically, that we're going to see a great ripple in the years to come in the business community. We're going to see business leaders that are affecting many souls for Christ. And and this, what looks like an oppression, that we're going to flip and turn it into an opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. I think, you know, th- this is our... our uh time to stand because we know again they're testing the water on how much we're willing to be mm-hmm. compliant mm-hmm. Uh, and even within the church there's there's been a massive split you know you've had those who have just rolled over shut the doors uh, and they do it all in the name of love mm-hmm. and then you have others uh, who are just saying what are we doing you know mm-hmm. this is not what the church should be doing no. uh, on a variety of fronts I mean I, I can't think of an issue uh, in my lifetime, like COVID, it has literally been a, a, a dropping of a plumb line where, where people have caused forks. We were talking this morning, there's even families that are divided, families that are, you know, pro-vaccination, you you know, you must be vaccinated. Yeah. How come, what is the matter with you? And then others going, wait, I don't want to be vaccinated, right. you know, and having literally splitting families up over, over which I, I've had, I've had a number of grandparents who were told that they were not allowed to see their children if they continued to come to a church that was not practicing social distancing, uh, mask wearing and promoting yeah. vaccine. And what's that all based on? It's based on fear. Yeah. And we know God has not given us a spirit of fear. We shouldn't respond, you know, Romans 8 to the spirit of slavery. Uh, so we, we just can't get down those roads. Yeah. But, but it has really been a dividing rod and a lightning rod, and I know these are these are contentious times for sure. We need the wisdom of the Lord. I guess I would ask you too, um, in addition to supporting local churches, you also uh, oversee many, many pastors, probably yes. 50 or so pastors in our network and growing network. Um, what would be your message to local church pastors? I mean, we're, I think this was an eye-opening experience for a lot of pastors as well. Some are going, wow, did we, did we handle the first wave the way we should because many churches are really struggling. Uh, I don't know if that would be true in our network because we, we tend to be cut from a different cloth. But what would you say to, to pastors who are maybe going, wow, um, I can't imagine uh, having to re-shut down it when I'm just starting to get open back up, you know? Uh, these are these are interesting times for the for local church pastors. I would not be silent. I, I, you cannot close the doors. You know, we have a friend of ours up in a very liberal area in New York and, uh, you know, the authorities came to him. They were having church, and they walked in and started getting data, and they went to the pastor, and he said, he just said, I'm not, look, do whatever you got to do. I'm not turning anybody away. I'm not closing the doors. And thankfully, that was the last he heard. Somebody just decided that we're going to fight another battle. Now, that was a good story, but, you know, what would have happened if that wouldn't have went that way? It could right. go either way. But either way, I think we have to make that stand, and that, that has to come from inside. I I think to be in ministry, uh, 
you have to have a sense of divine calling. Yeah, absolutely. If your ministry is about you, then you're gonna you're gonna placate. You're gonna be compromised. You're gonna submit to things that are not the will of God, even though you might have the greatest intentions. Yeah. I think a lot of these people, Pastor Ron, have really good motives. Quite frankly, yeah, yeah. Good I don't people. doubt a lot of their motives, but I think there is confusion as to who are they serving, and are they called, and and the issue between just giving people information and giving them leadership. Yeah. And leadership is desperate. We need everything Jesus began to do and to teach. Mm-hmm. Jesus was the, was the ultimate do and say. Yeah. And so the, the world is in desperate need of a model. And I believe the church community, the way we do life, I, be, I believe we're that model. And I believe God wants to expand that into a very vibrant uh, marketplace ministry that are in, you know, you take any church that I've ever been in, no matter what the size of that church is, there is a high population of business people and entrepreneurs in that church. Yep. Uh, that's not our, coincidental. Off the charts. Yeah, it's yep. not coincidental. That's because the Holy Spirit is creative and he calls people to leadership. Yep. And that's not to say if you're not one of those people, you're not in the leadership, God's called you to help them probably in their leadership gift and yep. you know, in exercising your own type of leadership. But I, I, I firmly believe that. I, I believe these these uh, kind of draconian, you know, ideas that are flowing out of Washington and other places, uh, they're, they're softballs we got to take a swing at and yeah. stand in the business community. Let me end with, with this thought here and uh, get your opinion on this. One, one of my favorite quotes of yours, and I have many, but one of my favorites is you say, we don't practice civil disobedience. <laughs> we practice, practice biblical obedience. Yes. Highlight that because we're, you know, when we're saying push back, yeah, usually push, I mean, push back in our Mm. current uh, cultural (laughs) scenario means we're going to be telling somebody in authority, thanks for your opinion, but I respectfully disagree and I'm not going to obey. Yes. That's, you know, for most Christians, it's like, oh, all all of a sudden they start quoting Romans 13 and and they fall into the sheep mode and blind compliance. And and, um, so I don't want to have to get into all the theology on that, but, but you always say, you, you don't promote civil disobedience. Like, we're not rebels. We're not, right. we're, exactly. we're not you know, seditious in nature. Yes. Um, but we we do need to be concerned about obeying the Bible and obeying right. Christ in every arena. So yeah. what does that look like? And Well, I've been arrested a few times, as you know, not for any kind of criminal activity, but for what people classify as civil disobedience. But And they say, well, why are you defining this? So, excuse me, I'm not the one being defined. They are the ones that are defying God's law. Right. Or redefine. They right. I didn't pick this fight. They they picked this fight. And, and just to clarify, you, all of the scenarios in which that happened in, in your life was simply for standing for the unborn, or or preaching the gospel in places where you weren't allowed to preach it, like in the, in the Soviet Union and things like and that. Which we don't find that in the Bible. Like going to all the world except for where the Soviet Union tells you right. you can't preach. So yes. So you're obeying the mandate Jesus gave, which trusts right. the Soviet Union. Yes. Or every other so country. they're being defined because God's law came first. Right. So I think it's important for the believer. That that is, listen. I can get as angry as the next guy. You know, I'll just be honest with you. And I've I've got to guard my heart just like the next guy. But my, I've got to be motivated by honoring God, not just giving people a piece of my mind. Right. So my motivation is to be biblically obedient, not to give them a piece of my mind. That's good. Because because we, we all are, are yes, flesh and blood. Yes. And we all get irritated, yes. frustrated. Yeah. And social media doesn't help. No, no. And and we've seen some of those very good-hearted kind of conservative people get out on a limb and do things 
uh, that weren't kingdom-based, even though their thinking wasn't really that bad, but their corresponding actions were inappropriate. Uh, So we want to carry ourselves in those those ways as Christ would, thinking about lost people, uh, but you know, Jesus got, you know, Jesus did not die in a giant family hug. Yeah. <laughs> they crucified him because he injected his kingdom into their kingdom. Yeah. It was really a, a struggle for control and authority. Yes. And, uh, and that's really the crux of what's going on even in our yes. culture today. Who, who says, right. You know, who, who says, and, and here's how you tell on that last great day, when you stand before God, when you're, when your hours are over, who are you going to answer to? You're going to answer to God Almighty. You're not going to answer to Uncle Sam. You're not going to answer to any other, you know, United Nations uh, committee. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not going to answer to the school board. Right. You're, you're going to answer to God. So that tells you who you should be ultimately obedient right. to, but it should be birthed out of a heart of obedience. I want to please God, not just I'm frustrated and I'm going to do something about this. Right. You know, there's a there's a principle uh, called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, yes. which is very, very important. And I think it's it's becoming more increasingly important in, in our culture today. It simply means that when the president of the United States, you know, unilaterally by fiat, passes some decree that he thinks we should all obey, whether it's shutting down the economy or whatever, mm-hmm. um, and you as a business leader say, you know, I, I can't, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to push back. That's you demonstrating your authority, your God-given authority in your realm and saying, you know, this is the government getting into my business. Mm-hmm. Or if the government comes into the church and tries mm-hmm. to tell us, you know, oh, you, we don't want you guys taking communion or singing. Mm-hmm. I yes. can say, well, well, thank you guys. I appreciate your yes. opinion. But Jesus Christ is Lord of our church and he thinks differently. So mm-hmm. this is where a lesser magistrate or, or another example, Governor Whitmer up in Michigan was uh, passing all kinds of crazy things by fiat again emergency orders, and the local sheriffs were saying, uh, we're not going to enforce that uh, because that's really a violation of the Constitution and and, uh, and we're not going to do that. That was uh, people who are in authority nicely saying and pushing back and saying, nah, we're, we're going to draw a line. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's healthy in, a, in an American constitutional republic. Right. And, and at some point, like you said, when, when, when a local pastor, for instance, stands up and says, we're going to stay open, if the Christians in that community don't rally around mm-hmm. that pastor, right. that pastor is going to pay a huge price. Yes. Uh, if Christians don't rally around those business leaders that are saying, excuse me, but this is not your realm, mm-hmm. uh, then that business is going to probably be driven out of business. Mm-hmm. And that person is going to pay a huge price. Yeah. So we need people in authority. We need school boards. We need governors like like uh, Ron DeSantis down in Florida who are saying, oh, no, we're not going to do that vaccine-mandated passport stuff. Mm-hmm. Not going to happen in our state. Um that that is the state state authorities pushing back against federal authority mm-hmm. in a godly way that causes mm-hmm. everybody to step back and and kind mm-hmm. of relook at the situation. Right. That needs to be happening, and that, yes. there's nothing immoral, ungodly, wrong about no. that. It, that's. No. But we can't get into lawlessness, as you were mentioning. We can't mm-hmm. have these bad attitudes. We can't get into anger. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to f- fully represent Jesus. But I guess mm-hmm. what my plea would be is: don't ever see. Standing up for Christ, standing up for your rights and your liberties, standing up for your, uh, you know, constitutional freedoms. Don't see those things as uh, somehow you're being unchristian or unkind, uh, or you're exactly. not obeying the government. No, you're obeying a higher power. Yes, you're obeying the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, and I love what you said. What a great clarification on the great day. 
I'm not going to be standing before Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anybody else. I'm going to be standing before Jesus Christ himself, God Almighty. Uh, and uh, and I, I will uh, appeal to an audience of one. And yes. that's just a great clarifier, yeah. uh, a great tool. So, again, thank you, Pastor Keith, for spending some time Amen. with me. Amen. Always a joy. And, uh, I, again, I want to highlight this book, The God Who Intervenes. Uh, embracing the present-day work of the Holy Spirit in your life by Keith Tusey, an amazing story about literally God's grace and intervention in his life and ministry. 42 years of uh, fine wine to, to drink from. <laughs> so go online, uh, either in our pastors.org, is that to get that com, right? Dot dot com. Com, uh, or on uh, Amazon or wherever you can buy books, but I encourage you to pick up a copy. I know it'll be a, a great blessing. So thank you, my friend. Yeah, thank you, brother. Uh, until we meet Amen. again, spread Blessings. this podcast far and wide and uh, have an amazing week. And God bless you. Amen.